and also with you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Welcome to this service of ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe. On this first Sunday of December, we happily lift particular forms of welcome to one and all to receive the Lord's Supper, to all who may wish formally and publicly to join the chapel coming forward during our last hymn, to all to come for lunch following service, and to all who desire with us to develop disciplined generosity to engage beginning this Sunday in creative giving. To you, to you, to you this day, we offer our warmest welcome. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
we pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with a garment of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 126 with the antiphon. restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O God, like the water courses and then again. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 1, verses 6 to 8 and 19 to 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, 
but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing, if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The Gospel of the Lord. In 2005, we visited for the first time our daughter's first house. She and our son-in-law lived in Park Ridge, Illinois, in a home owned by the church that they were serving at that time. Park Ridge, Illinois is a gem, a mixture of history and of activity of the urban and of the suburban of work and prayer. Our first grandchild was born near there on a street named Dempster, named after the same John Dempster, who in 1839 planted a seed which became Boston University, and some years later planted another seed which became Northwestern University. A beautiful spot and space. Brett McLennigan, the senior minister, in the primary church of the town is currently a member of our advisory board here at Marsh Chapel and Religious Life. And his daughter Bromley was an undergraduate here 10 years ago and worshiped in these very pews today. She is preaching in Chicago, her hometown, the Windy City. There is a lightness of being which comes, as Harry Truman said, taking your grip up the stairs and a particular lightness of being when your destination is that home away from home, that place of repose underneath your daughter's roof. That is the person for whom your own earlier roofs with her siblings was most meant now in a great grace, a delicious grace, has her own place of being, her own habitat, and you may, under that garret and under those dormers, you may just relax with a great susurration. If it weren't impertinent, one might fall asleep right in the midst of one's own sermon. It is such a relaxing memory. Ooh. 
We used to sing, when we did sing on Sunday evenings, the hymn, Oh, won't you come with me to my father's house? We might better sing, truly. Oh, won't you come with me to my daughter's house, to my daughter's house where there is peace, peace, peace. Walking in those days in Park Ridge, Illinois, we came upon some streets away from the center of town, the Methodist Church of Park Ridge. Many of our churches, we must confess, were built two blocks away from success. But here is a small congregation which came to mind on November 2nd, 2011, just a month ago because I had seen it across the expanse of Park Ridge from my Garrett Enclave, that delicious grace aforementioned, and knew it as a place of some significance, small but worthy. On November 2nd, I read the obituary of a woman connected to that church. Her name is Dorothy. Dorothy had been raised in Chicago by two parents whom the obituary described as dysfunctional. They divorced when she was uh, yet two years old, hardly two years old. And then she was sent by train as a, a toddler across the country to be raised in Alhambra, California, Dorothy was, sent away alone to a grandfather who never spoke and to a grandmother who dressed in dark clothing and had an intense interest in rigor, discipline, and punishment, punishing Dorothy by confinement uh, after she had participated in a Halloween trick-or-treat event. There she stayed and became, started to work as a a nanny at age 14 for $3 a week and began to make her way by herself through high school in Alhambra, California, with the help of the, the academic club and the Spanish club when she received a letter from Chicago from her mother saying, if you will return and help me, we will provide you a college education which she most desired. So, as she said, I so deeply wanted to know that my mother loved me that I took a chance and I left the West and I came East to Chicago and there her mother disappointed her a second time. Her mother did not love her. She did not support her. She did not provide a college education and so she Dorothy moved through high school and its completion on her own over some years, taking later a secretarial position and emerging into young adulthood and meeting a man eight years her senior, whom she married. And with him, she moved to Park Ridge. Now here is the gospel. One grace begets another. One grace gives birth 
to another. Grace changes, morphs, moves. We, we know that from the ancients who spoke of prevenient and justifying and sanctifying grace. But the grace that she learned in resistance in California became the grace she taught to her children in persistence in Chicago. The grace of resistance to a harsh environment became the grace of persistence embedded in her children in Park Ridge, Illinois. I can picture the streets, the gardens, the ball fields on which she and her husband raised one daughter and two sons, teaching them to stand up for themselves when they were challenged to assert their own voice and right, to be a part of a community and yet to be individuals too. And I was thinking of that Park Ridge community and the Methodist Church there when on November 2nd I read her obituary. You see, the Rodhams and their two sons and their one daughter grew up with persistence in Park Ridge. They taught their children to continue, to endure, to work, to labor, to hupomone, persist. As many do, her daughter decided to study in the East. Boston is the place where the country comes to study. So she came not to Boston University, but to Wellesley. And after the first fall semester, some know this experience, was ready to go home. So she called her mother in Park Ridge and said, I, I'd, I'd like to come home. I don't know that I can do this. I'm, I'm not cut out. And her mother said, that's not the way we raised you. We don't quit. We finish what we started. You try again. When you wonder about the persistence of our global secretary of state, the former junior senator from the Empire State, and at one time long ago, the first lady of the country, when you wonder whence her Hillary Rodham Clinton's persistence, you might think of a little church in Park Ridge, a little Methodist church two blocks away from success, and a home there where the Rodhams raised their children. And one grace acquired in hurt in California, Dickensian, the best of times and the worst of times? No, just the worst of times. That resistance became grace upon grace, the grace of persistence, a public life of long endurance. We are in the season of preparation. We are in the season of penitence. We are in the season of advent when we can remember both graces of resistance and persistence. The Gospel of John in our three-year lectionary makes only occasional appearances. More is the pity. One is today. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have pre predominance, but 
Here is John, though John carved a little bit of the Baptist and then a break and a little bit of the Baptist, missing that explanatory verse from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. So we add it here underneath the sermon title just to make sure you go home with the gift. Grace upon grace. There is trouble here with the preposition. Four letters in English, another four in Greek. What does it mean? In addition to, instead of, added measure. That does it mean, as the critical moderate might say, a little bit more of the same? Or does it mean, as the moderate critic would put it, I there, grace instead of grace. Grace moves, grace morphs, grace, grace changes. One grace gives birth to another. Our difficulty is that we are not nimble enough. We don't pivot quickly enough. We're not aware of the time and the season. We don't make space so that we can shift with the grace instead of grace. So we must ask one another quite bluntly in Advent as we come to the Lord's table. Are we making space for grace do you worship God in public on Sunday morning and there receive the prayers of the church, the hymns of praise, the preaching of the gospel, and the means in conversation and communion of grace resistant and persistent? Do you make space on a weekday to let your soul breathe with the delicious grace that you might have tasted, oh, I don't know, underneath a garret or a dormer in a daughter's house. In the morning, a time of quiet. In the evening, a walk at twilight. Do you make space during the week to read something not written in the 21st century, to escape the prison house, of our own time. There used to be three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. We seem to be losing the first two in our own age. What are you reading that doesn't come from this week? We have signs, thankful we are, that together you are making space for grace upon grace. We see it in the hospital when a student or a faculty member is ill and is visited and there is quiet and the grace of prayer at bedside. We see it in the celebration of lives well lived, two 60-year-olds near and far whose lives were celebrated this week in worship. When those moments come, do we take the time to pause and listen and hear the eulogy of a son remembering his father as the uttermost in welcoming souls who, as a son, he remembered at age eight trying to go with his dad to Fenway Park to see the Red Sox and he'd go to the office and then they had to face the travail of getting from the office to the car which took, in the son's memory, an eternity. 
because his father spoke to everyone above, beside, and below, and listened to leader and janitor and all, with the sun and cap and glove and waiting for his seat. But in the eulogy, he could see. Here was the gift of my father's life. And another, a clergy woman, after six short decades of ministry, with many of you, the gifts of gladness and of candor and of confidence and of presence, who was able, we did remember, to allow her own hurt to minister to others. She had been, as Robert Frost said, acquainted. I am one acquainted with the night. I have walked out in rain and back in rain. I have outwalked the furthest city light. I have looked down the saddest city lane. I have passed by the watchman on his beat and dropped my eyes, unwilling to explain. I have been one acquainted with the night. You see, her teacher taught that generation, we'll remember it for a minute, Henry Nouwen did say, in ministry one is a wounded healer. There is a movement in grace upon us in Advent. Grace instead of grace, grace supplanting grace, the grace of one generation in resistance becoming the grace of another in persistence. It leaves before us a Eucharistic question. Just how nimble are we? Just how ready with grace are we to itinerate, to pivot, to change? Grace upon grace, grace upon grace, grace instead of grace, grace instead of grace, grace upon grace, grace upon grace. Amen.
We welcome you once again to the nave of Marsh Chapel and hope that you will take a moment to help us get to know you better so that we can help you get to know one another better by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew. And now for Scott for an announcement about next weekend. Good morning, Rachel. Thank you. This Friday at 6 o'clock here in the nave is our annual university service of Lessons and Carols. The chapel choir leads this service with seminary singers from the School of Theology and Majestic Brass, Timpani, and Organ. It's a holiday favorite, and we encourage you to begin your uh, Christmas season and Advent season by attending this Friday afternoon at 6 o'clock. Here, the tree is here, it's lit. The ministry team and associates have been decorating. We hope you'll come this coming Friday, 6 o'clock. Also on Friday night, we'll be taking donations towards the Greater Boston Food Bank, if you're so moved. Um, this semester, the Sunday morning study group has been reading Jennifer Noose's book, Unprotected Texts, and Dr. Noose will be here next Sunday, December 11th at 12.30 p.m. to discuss her book with the class and anyone else that would like to attend. Dr. Noost is an associate professor of New Testament and Christian origins at the Boston University School of Theology. Also at 12.30 p.m. next Sunday, December 11th, we'll be having our annual children with um, children's Christmas luncheon. So um, if you'd like to attend, please RSVP to me. And if you'd like to volunteer, you can talk to me as well. Finally, this afternoon at 3 o'clock, here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, we will host our blue Christmas service. Um, it's an opportunity to acknowledge that blue feeling that accompany the holiday season for so many. For all other upcoming services and activities, we would encourage you to keep an eye on the Marsh Chapel website, bu.edu chapel, where you may also find the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loved us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Blessed are you, Lord God, creator of the universe. You have given us this bread and this wine which earth has formed and human hands have made. May they become for us the bread of life and the cup of salvation. Amen. Christ our Lord invites us to his table, all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us share that peace with one another. Peace.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away our love and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent in the fullness of time to be a light to the nations. You scatter the proud in the imagination of their hearts and have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. You put down the mighty from their thrones and exalt those of low degree. You fill the hungry with good things, and the rich you send empty away. Your own Son came among us as a servant to be Emmanuel your presence with us. He humbled himself in obedience to your will and freely accepted death on a cross. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was ended, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. 
by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with one another, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. it is our happy opportunity to welcome members into the Marsh Chapel Chapter Community of Faith. I direct your attention to our hymnal, page 38. Those so, so moved today by word or song or Eucharist to formally affiliate with this chapel are welcome to join us here at the rail as we welcome Dean and Mrs. Christopher and Melinda Muller to membership today. Beloved, I ask you in the Community of Faith, do you profess your faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and pledge your allegiance to his kingdom? Do you promise to support the church with your prayers, 
your presence, your gifts, and your service. With these happy responses, I direct the congregation to the bottom of the page where we will substitute simply for the phrase the United Methodist Church, two words, Marsh Chapel. <laughs> Members of the household of God, I commend these persons to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of Marsh Chapel. We renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. Amen.